as a significant part of our gathering to worship God today. We recognize publicly your children as God's own gift to you and to the world. We've come to name them as belonging to the great family of our heavenly creator. We have come to receive them into the care of Christ's church because the journey of life begins in the midst of congregational blessing. We are following the example of our Lord and Savior when he took little children in his arms and blessed them and said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such as these belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. When your child was born, someone new and wonderful came into the world. In this little life there lives both history and hope. How high the rewards and how deep the satisfaction. How sacred the responsibilities that belong to you as parents and family members as you shape the life of your child. In presenting your child here, you are accepting the ministry of Christian parenthood, and so some questions for you as parents and grandparents. Do you promise to pray with and for your child, to share with your child the Bible, and to encourage growth in the love of God and neighbor? Do you promise to give attention to the pattern of your lives, the atmosphere of your home, the examples of kindness and reverence, truthfulness and compassion as the setting in which your child is to grow? And do you promise to do all that you can to help your child grow into an understanding of what it means to be a follower of Christ Jesus and to treasure spiritual growth as being important to your child? So it is time to meet these beautiful children. What is the name of your child? Lennox Lynn Steele. This is Lennox Lynn Steele. And I'll have you walk a little bit up the aisle. Lennox, this is your church family. All those who promise to surround you with God's kind of love and God's grace. And may God's love and Christ's companionship be with you always, Lennox. What is the name of your child? Riley Axel Jaggers. This is Riley Axel Jaggers. And if you want to walk up the aisle with Riley Axel. Riley, this, yeah, yeah, I'm talking. <laughs> Riley, this is your church family. All those who promise to surround you with God's kind of love and grace. And may God's love and Christ's companionship be with you always, Riley. And what is the name of your child? Charlotte Elizabeth Osborne. This is Charlotte Elizabeth Osborne. Charlotte, your church family, all those who promise to surround you with God's love and God's grace, and may God's love and Christ's companionship be with you always. May we join together in the congregational response. As a congregation of God's family, it is our sacred obligation and privilege, along with these parents, to enfold these children in our affection and continuing care. We pledge to uphold them in good and guide them in truth. We pledge to forgive them in error and protect them from all that is evil and unjust. As your church family, we covenant to love your children as Christ loves all of us and to help them grow as children of God.
And now hear our prayer of blessing. Great and gracious God, creator of us all, grant us your blessing in this wonderful and important moment. Bless these parents as they accept the sacred responsibilities of parenthood. Lead them so that these tender feet may learn to walk in the ways of faith and truth, justice and joy, service and peace. Give them patience and confidence, good judgment, and a deep sense of love and joy as they nurture the life of their child. Bless us as your congregation and make us always helpful in our caring for these parents and children. Make us always ready to learn what you teach us through all little children. Bless each child with good gifts of love and affection and your heavenly care. Grant that each child may increase as Jesus did in wisdom and in stature and in favor with all people and with you. We pray in the name of your child, who is Jesus our Christ. Amen.
of scripture this morning comes from the gospel according to Luke. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the ax is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then should we do? In reply, he said to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, teacher, what should we do? He said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what should we do? He said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the th his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So, with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people.
last Sunday afternoon, we met outside the church on the southeast lawn. About 150 of us came out to sit in chairs or spread blankets on the ground or lean against trees. The weather was near perfect for such an event. As the story of faith, specifically the story of Advent and Christmas, invited us to listen one more time. The prophecy of Isaiah, and a little child shall lead them, came to mind. As some of the children from the church's Logos ministry led us through the pageant entitled Carriers of the Light. The familiar characters were all there, and they were dressed to match. Angels, shepherds, animals, magi, Herod, Mary, Joseph, baby. As the good news story was told, they spoke and we sang in response, and it was a truly wonderful afternoon. What was surprising about that event was that another prophet showed up. His name wasn't in the script, but he was there. Did anybody else see John the Baptizer? <laughs> now it's understandable if we missed him. Because, you see, he was cleverly disguised as a beautiful, blonde-headed young girl and a handsome, dark-headed young boy. So beautiful and handsome, in fact, that we might have missed the prophet John. But he was there. Or at least his message was there. And we went outdoors to hear what he had to say. Remember? Remember the words? Once upon a time, the people of God walked in God's light. Guided by God's wisdom, they lived happily as God's servants. They enjoyed the rich bounty of God's creation, harvesting crops and protecting the earth for future generations. They loved one another, living as sisters and brothers in God's great family. They worshiped the Lord and praised God in all that they said and did. The people of God walked in God's light. But slowly, the people of God lost their way. They became so busy enjoying earth's great wonders that they forgot to worship God. They grew careless, spoiling the land, their hearts grew cold as sisters turned against sisters and brothers fought each other. And the people of God who had walked in God's light began to stumble in the darkness. God heard the cries of the people. God decided to send a savior who would be the light of the world. Yes, John was there. At least his words were there, so majestically spoken by our beautiful blonde-headed prophets. If Elizabeth and Zechariah are the least known characters in the Advent drama, John is by far the oddest. <laughs> and yet, 
The church in its peculiar wisdom still invites this odd character to the annual Advent and Christmas party, including him in the story, not just the part about John leaping in Elizabeth's womb when he hears Mary's voice, but also the part about John leaping into the wilderness and then leaping into our business and then leaping into the world's business. John's a prophet. And of course that's hard to hear. And he does not sound particularly joyful. And yet, if Christmas is to be fully Christmas, then its advent is paved by honesty and truth-telling and openness and possibility and change. Now, the way Isaiah wrote it, which Handel so masterfully set to music, was with these words, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill made low, the crooked straight and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. And we heard that again last Sunday, gathered outside on the church lawn. Now, the mouth of the Lord who spoke what we heard in Luke was not a beautiful young girl or a handsome young man. It was Isaiah's words remixed by John, who in place of a lovely dress or a pressed shirt and slacks, wore a scratchy old camel's hair smock and an uncomfortable leather belt whose hair had gone far too long without ever coming close to a comb and whose breath smelled of locusts mercifully smothered in wild honey. John never made the cover of Jerusalem's local city magazine, which was fine by him. Because like all good prophets, he was concerned about making a different kind of impression. And in fact, for most of us, John is exactly the kind of person we go out of our way to avoid. You know, the ones who tend to plant themselves right in the middle of the street and make a very loud nuisance of themselves, reminding us of all of our shortcomings and telling us exactly where we are destined if we don't agree with their every point of faith. And frankly, who needs that? The difference with John is that he did not plant himself in the middle of downtown Jerusalem. He left town. He went into the desert wilderness where people had to travel with all the dangers in such of a journey. They had to travel in order to hear him. And Luke says, the people flocked to him. It was 1982 at Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, when the minister and author Will Campbell preached in chapel variously known as Brother Will or Preacher Will, he described himself as a steeple dropout. 
And when he showed up that day to preach in the chapel at the seminary, he did not dress in a three-piece suit that any respectable preacher would have worn in that environment, along with all those aspiring preachers seated in the pews. No tie, something only a little bit nicer than jeans, a broad-brimmed hat that protected his worn face from the sun. And for 20 minutes, or maybe it was an hour, who knows, he curled our hair by addressing every hypocrisy that the church had long thought was orthodoxy. I don't think Will Campbell was ever invited to preach again at Southern. And who knows if he even would have accepted. Later in the afternoon, a few of us had the opportunity to sit with him and talk. And one brave seminarian said to Brother Will, basically, what you do is kick us in our teeth. And we love it. And we love you for it. Now, why is that? Campbell sat back a little bit, still leaning on his walking stick. A little grin came over his face, and he said, and he had kind of a grovelly voice, he said, well, I guess it's because people know, and churches know, they aren't all that God wants them to be. And when I say what I say, I am reminding you that God is still calling you, still wanting you to be who God created you to be. The bottom line is, what I'm saying is, God hasn't given up on you. God still wants you. And that's the best news of all. Sure, it might be a little rough to get through all the layers that are there, but where else are you going to hear the good news that God's love outlasts everything that stands against God's love? Brother Will, preacher Will, steeple dropout, descendant of John, who himself is a steeple dropout. If John's lack of decorum means he never gets invited to the office Christmas party, his message guarantees he will spend most of December alone. And yet, the church is courageous to invite him in, even on the Sunday when the church talks about joy. Which of all the words that could be used to describe John, joy is never on the list. After all, did we hear how he warmed up the crowd? He addressed them by calling them a brood of vipers. And then he got testy. <laughs> to be fair, John is an equal opportunity dismantler. Did we hear what he said? Don't think it's your ancestry that matters to God, or your position in culture, or the claims your denomination makes, 
or any other self-appointed credentials you've decided are worth more than what God has created you to be. That's the hard part. And no one escapes it if we happen to go outside and listen for John. The good news is the hard part is only the first part of what he says. Part two of his message, disguised though it tends to be, is why John does belong on a Sunday when we think about joy. Because what John says is exactly what Will Campbell said that afternoon. What were they saying? No matter how lost, broken, hurt, estranged you are feeling, no matter how unjust, unfair, unkind, untruthful the world can be, God is still coming to offer us a chance to get well, healed, restored, reconciled, reconnected. God is still coming and calling us to work for justice and equity, to work with humility and honesty. And that message is still worth speaking. That God is still moving. That Christ is coming. So get ready. In other words, no matter the darkness, the light, has not been overcome. We've gathered here today like we did last Sunday afternoon on the lawn, like those did who traveled to the Judean wilderness that was not simply a location, but at times is a place in their own souls and our own souls too, for the purpose of listening with joy. Not listening to joy, or listening for joy, but listening with joy. Because John says, God is still coming. God still loves you. God still yearns for you. John says, God does not give up easily or ever, according to the covenant John is reframing and proclaiming. In the service today, we celebrated the dedication of infants and families to Christian life. It is a joyous moment. Now, why is that? Well, there are many reasons, of course. But we know that an infant is fresh and promising and new and embraced and loved. And it is a reminder of exactly what John is saying, that no matter how many wilderness miles we have traveled, God is in the business not just of birthing, but also rebirthing. It is exactly as Isaac Watts wrote in 1719. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Well, after hearing John preach, the crowd asks what might be the very best Advent question ever asked. 
What then should we do? In essence, John replies, to live your days with humility and justice and mercy and courage. As those gathered in the Judean wilderness, so we ponder the same question for our days. What then should we do as we get ready for the advent of Christ? Well, many of us have already done some of it. Remember, we have made space in our homes for the signs of the season. We've cleaned, dusted, rearranged, let go of some things that we thought were fixtures we could never ever let go of. What then should we do? The specifics vary for each of us, but in the spirit of John, it has something to do with bridging differences and reshaping attitudes and addressing bitterness and facing fears and assessing injustices and healing systems. That's all. <laughs> Whoa. That's quite a calling. Or as Luke ironically phrased it, and we can see he might have had a little grin on his face, with many other exhortations, John proclaimed the good news to the people. And all of that takes us back to last Sunday afternoon, to the handsome, dark-headed boy who was the bookend to the opening words of the prophet's voice as the children led us. Remember the words? Remember what was said? Jesus is the light of the world. Will you join the star-led band Will you walk in God's ways, loving your neighbor, protecting the earth, worshiping God with all your heart? Will you spread throughout the world the good news of our Savior, Jesus Christ? Will you be a carrier of the light? We are carriers of the light. So pass the light along. Well, with that as the invitation, and with that as the possibility, no wonder we can be listening with joy. <laughs>